Derek, Derek, Derek. Diamond, Diamond, Diamond. Experience! And welcome to another exciting episode of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast for the week of November 6th, 2014. I am your host, Derek Diamond, and coming up on today's show, you will be hearing my wonderful conversation I had with film director and author, Mr. John Michael Ferrari. But first, I want to give a technical update on this show. For those of you that are subscribed to it through iTunes or Stitcher, This will be the last episode that is on the current feed you are subscribed to. And if you're wondering why, it's because the feed that you're subscribed to comes through a website called Podomatic. And I have to pay a monthly fee in order to have enough space to put episodes on. And that fee has become quite expensive and I've ran out of space, not just for this show, but the other podcast that I do called the Nerd Cave Podcast. So I've decided to build a new website, and with that, a new RSS feed that has unlimited space, and we only have to pay a yearly fee for it. So in addition to this, the Nerd Cave and a couple of other shows that we're involved with, uh, we're all banning ourselves together under one banner called the Nerd Cave Network. And I'm not exactly sure what the specific details are. I know we've got a new website that's going to have news articles, uh, links to all our various shows. But it's it's just going to be a cool opportunity to know that we're never going to run out of space. We can put as much content on it as we want, and we don't have to pay a, a huge monthly fee for it. So uh, stay tuned for that. Um, I will be putting a separate audio file on this feed next week explaining how to get to the new subscription. So uh, I just wanted to give you guys a little heads up with that. Um, As far as personal stuff that's going on with me this week, uh, Interstellar comes out, uh, directed by the great Chris Nolan that I'm very excited for. I believe I'm going to go see it uh, tonight. At least I hope I'm getting to see it tonight. Uh, So I'll have a review for that next week. And this weekend, I'm going to get to go to Orlando to see the great Kevin Smith. Yes, the famous director Kevin Smith who directed Clerks and most recently Tusk. And I don't know if I've actually mentioned this on the show, but he is one of the reasons why I wanted to get into film. I saw the first Clerks movie. Uh, as I was in college getting my film degree, and that was one of the things that just cemented this is what I want to do. Because it's one of those movies that when you watch it, you want to go out and make something yourself. And if you haven't seen the original Clerks, I highly recommend it. It's a very, very good movie. It's If you can get past the uh, the black and white, I know a lot of people don't like black and white movies, but... It's very, very good. And all, all the, I guess you'd call it the View Askew verse uh, that he's made that includes Clerks 1 and 2, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, and Dogma, I believe. Uh, those, yeah, that's all of them. 
So I would recommend checking all of those out. They're all good. So I will have a review of that next week as well. And also next week, if you're in the Pensacola area, I would highly recommend that you go to the Filmmakers Meet and Greet. Yes, the same meet and greet that I've mentioned numerous times on this show. It's going to be Sunday, November 16th at the Pensacola Little Theater Courtyard from 2 to 5 p.m. And it's a great way to make new contacts, meet new people, get involved with various film projects. And there's so much content going on. There's so many projects going on in the area. It'll blow your mind once you go to one of these things and you see for yourself. And it's, like I said, I can't recommend it enough. And if you want to find out more information about it, then go on Facebook and just search for the Emerald Coast Film Group page, and you'll be able to find out more information there. But like I said, these things are great, and I can't recommend them enough. And finally, before we move on to our guest, I would once again like to thank the Unicorn Wranglers for allowing me to use their song Twin Peaks from their upcoming album Murder Mystery Night as the official theme song of the Derek Diamond Experience podcast. And if you want to find out more information about them or if you want to check out more of their music, you can follow them on Twitter at Wranglers. Like them on Facebook, just search for the Unicorn Wranglers. Uh, they have a website, unicornwranglers.com. And you can also find them on Instagram at Wranglers. All right, let's move on to my guest this week. Today, you'll get to hear my conversation with film director and author, Mr. John Michael Ferrari. I'd actually never met John before I did this interview. And the way I got the interview was pretty interesting. Um, I was originally supposed to interview Anne-Marie Crouch, and she had messaged me on Facebook saying, hey, I've got this guy, John Michael Ferrari, in town who's doing a seminar on acting. You should come by and interview us both together. So I thought, well, that'll be actually really cool. But due to some last-minute scheduling issues, we had to do the interview separate, which it actually turned out pretty well, and you'll get to hear Anne-Marie's interview next week. But it was really, really awesome just getting to sit across the table from John for 30 minutes and get to pick his brain about his film career, his music career, um, why he loves to teach, and this book that he's written called Acting With Your Eyes, which you'll get to hear about in more detail. The guy is just so knowledgeable, and in just 30 short minutes of talking with him, I learned so much about film, and it's it's kind of changed my perspective a little bit uh, on the way I look at filmmaking, and in a good way. And uh, I would like to personally thank him for that. And we share a lot of the same philosophies on the fact that, you know, I went to a local community college for basic television classes, but neither of us ever went to a film school. And all the stuff we've learned is kind of just doing it on the job. And to me, that's the best way to learn things, not just in film, but in really any job, I think is, I think that's the best way to learn things. So I hope you guys enjoy this. I know I did. And for those of you that want to get involved in the film industry, you will definitely want to pay attention to this. So sit back and enjoy this wonderful conversation I had with Mr. John Michael Ferrari. 
Welcome back to the Derek Diamond Experience. I'm now here with my very special guest this week, Mr. John Michael Ferrari. John, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Derek, for having me on your show. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, it's fun. You know, we just met a few minutes ago, and this is actually the first interview I've done where I've had to travel on location. So, Oh, wonderful. I'm glad you took the time out to come all the way over here to, where are we at, Destin? Uh, Pensacola. Pensacola. Okay, yeah. yeah. So it was roughly about an hour away, but traffic was good, so I made good timing, believe it or not. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I don't get to actually come out to Fort Walton that much, but it's it's pretty underrated place. Like, it's really, really nice here. You've got this nice room you're staying in. But, this uh, is a wonderful place. The Marina, Marina Bay, I think it's mm-hmm, called. Mm-hmm. It's excellent. If anybody's driving down the highway see the Marina Bay, uh, it's a beautiful place. Wonderful. So, so what brings you to Fort Walton? Because you're, we were talking earlier, you're from L.A. From Los Angeles, yes. Right. So what uh, what brings you out to Fort Walton? Well, Emory Crouch, with her agency, um, does a... Uh, uh, several uh, uh, what would you call it little seminars and and and, and um, right what would we call it uh, she's sitting right here she can just throw some uh, information actors for reels. actors reels yeah she has her own agency and she invited me out uh, a couple of times over the past few years and again invited me out this time to do a seminar on acting with your eyes it's a new uh, I, I refer to it as a plug-in. It works with any acting style that you're currently using. It's not an acting style by itself, but it's more like a plug-in. So if an actor has a particular acting style that they use, this works with it for on-camera acting. Oh, cool. That's very, very cool. I, I've, I'm looking at the card here, and it says acting with your eyes, and I was kind of interested in what that was, but you, know, you you explained it very well. So that's that's really cool. That's really so something, you have, something you don't think about. Well, it is true. And if you watch TV programs, after I explain it, you'll watch that actors use their eyes a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's called eye phrasing. They're not darting their eyes, looking all over their place. They're looking at one specific place and then another place and then back making eye contact with the other actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wrote a book called Acting With Your Eyes, which you can find it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a condensed, small book, but it's a powerful book. I've had actors uh, 30 years in the business read the book, and they say this is outstanding because they've never had anything like it. So it, it's just catching on. It's doing very well on Amazon. And we are actually, we did a seminar class here in Pensacola, uh, Destin, and it went over very well. So it's something that we'll continue doing with uh, other schools and Colleges, awesome. yeah. That's that's really really cool. A, a good example I can think of, uh, you know, the show Gotham that just came yeah, out. That yeah, has uh, Bruce Wayne as a kid. Well, oh. there was a scene with him where he was talking with uh, Detective Gordon, and just the look in the kid's eyes—you just look in his eyes and you're like, "That's Batman." So the, <laughs> yeah, you know, just a, a child actor is doing a very good job of right. acting with his eyes. So that's that's cool. Well, it's a skill. Acting is a skill. Uh, although mm-hmm. there are many actors who have natural uh, acting abilities, but you still need to learn the skill of acting, even if you have a natural ability. And this allows you to look interesting because many times a director or uh, a voice uh, or a uh, teacher, coach, acting coach will tell you, keep doing less, doing less mm-hmm. on camera. But the thing is, they don't actually tell you what to replace that with. So this book helps you replace that when you, the actors, 
is told to do less, mm-hmm. you can still be interesting in how to use your eyes. Right, right. So you're from L.A. What was it like uh, growing up in Los Angeles? I've never been to the West Coast, so I don't know about the cultural differences maybe between the East Coast and the West Coast. But like, what, what were some of the things you were interested in growing up? Like, were you always a film fan growing up? Uh, music. Oh, music, I, I okay. spent most of my uh, life performing and singing on stage. Uh, so I came from that genre uh, of the industry. And being there, of course, doing acting, but I translated all my act, all my performance skills from stage onto how to use that in front of a camera, and it's worked magically, magically well. So growing up there, it's, uh, I mean, it's a town, if you move there, it's usually to be in the industry. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking about being in the industry, people go to New York for stage or to Los Angeles. It's, it's a wonderful place. It's a beautiful place. Uh, many opportunities. I say everybody's got a shot. Everybody's got a chance. I see people come there. Um, you, you watch them. You think they, they don't have a chance in the world. And, and, you know, no time at all. They're on a major TV show and a series. Mm-hmm. Everybody has that shot. You know, that's what the town is so beautiful about the town. You know, and it just takes that innerness of, of just not giving up and being out there and being persistent and being positive about what you're doing and you can get that lucky break not everybody but i've, I've talked to many people uh who were down and out ready to give up mm-hmm. and the last minute something changed and and they got that, that that break and it's not it has anything to do with just talent because there are a lot of talented people out there right it's your outlook it's what you feel inside if you're a successful person to begin with you will attract success. You can't wait for success to come to you and feel like then you'll be successful. you got to start being successful in your mind even before success comes your way. You've got to go out and grab success, not wait for it to come to you. Because nobody's going to give it to you. I mean, it's like people work really hard for success in that town. So you come to town and say, oh, let me give you everything. Here's success. Here's the car. No, you got to work at it. I mean, you got to pull it towards your direction. But you can do that. You know, it'll work. And I hear the weather is really nice out there, too. Well, it's isn't it funny. Um, it's beautiful out there. But, you know, uh, Anne-Marie and I and, and her daughter and some friends went to the beach yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, even California weather isn't this beautiful. You know, I mean, it's really nice here. It's just beautiful. Yeah, it, it's cool to hear other people's perspective on Pensacola Beach or the beaches at Destin because... You look online at, say, the nicest or most beautiful beaches in the world. Pensacola Beach is always near the top. Yeah. So it's, and I've heard great things about L.A. weather or the West Coast weather specifically. And it's uh, it's just nice hearing, you know, an outsider's perspective or someone that's not from here say something like that. your beaches far surpass our beaches. I mean, Santa Monica beaches and everything, it's beautiful. But it's not as beautiful as your beaches. I mean, your beaches are just pristine clean beautiful it's the white sand yeah i guess so and the water yeah it's just wonderful um because i would swim in this water i would not swim in the ocean water out there <laughs> <laughs> so you, you mentioned music um so were you a singer or did you play instruments what what specifically have you done with music well when i was very young i, I started playing guitar and when i grew up there were uh there was entertainment all over the place every 
block had a, a nightclub of some sort. Right. And and they had steakhouses and lobster houses. And you'd see some guy in the corner playing guitar, you know, mm-hmm. Cat Stevens or Jim Croce and all those kind of songs. That's what I was. I was doing that. Um, and then, you know, it, over the years, I started perfecting a, my show, my act. And then I started playing more entertainment venues than just playing guitar and being in the background and coming out on larger stages and entertaining audiences and going on tour. And that just grew. And uh, <coughs> excuse me, and that's what I did. And now, now I teach singing. I teach uh, a song performance. I've had a few uh, people on American Idol that oh, cool. uh, I've worked with. And uh, top 10 and top 4. Wow, know? that's awesome. And so I love doing that. And I love... I love teaching. I, you know, out of all the things that I do now, um, that gives me the greatest pleasure. Every time I learn something, I always think about how can I interpret this and teach it to somebody else. And then also, that cements more in my own brain and how to how to do this. Do you write any of your own music? I write my music. I have songs on um, uh, iTunes. I recently just wrote a song called uh, "Mona Lisa Smile" for a young. Uh, singer pop singer um they can go check it out it's on youtube and itunes and stuff there's a video her name is caitlin haynes she's a singer model and uh it's a great song people should go check that out awesome yeah i i envy people with musical talent because my my dad plays guitar but it's for some reason, I guess I'm not coordinated enough to do well, it. Well, you know, it's funny. I don't know if you do any video editing of any sort. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. The best video editors are musical editors because they have that sense of timing. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when you're editing a movie or something. Right. You just know what, you just feel there has to be a change here. There has to have some kind of dramatic direction. Mm-hmm. And that's that internal musical clock inside of you that just beats along and you you don't have to count a, a four or eight beat intro. You just hear it. You know, it's the same thing when you're editing. You just know there has to be something here. Yeah, that, that reminds me of something that I tell people when I edit something. And they'll say, like, how this particular thing worked or, you know, why did you do this? And I can't really explain it. Right, yeah. I just know it's there because you'll be sitting there and you're like, well, you know, that's good, but this will work better. And then you watch the whole thing and the timing is great. The, yeah. And musical timing to me is a huge part of film or really any kind of video. Because if you have this song that say crescendos to this really epic portion of the song, video timed with that is just great. Yeah. It's really, really good. And if you're doing a music video, you, you, know, you want to cut on the beats, you know, of, yeah. this, of the song and things. And it's all just instinct. You just mm-hmm. feel it. Now, some people can count it out and say, okay, it has to be this long, it has to go here, and like that. That's another way of doing it. I just feel it. Right. I know exactly how you feel. And a music video is actually one of the few videos I've never done. I've never done a music video oh. before. I've done wedding videos, uh, commercials, short films, but never a music video. Well, check out the new music video, uh, uh, Caitlin Haynes, uh, Mona Lisa Smile, and... Um, it's a great. It's just been released. It's uh, really cute, really good. She's a awesome, and she's from here. Oh, really? Yeah, cool. Caitlin, in fact, she's going to probably be here in within the hour. Or so, oh, cool. <laughs> she's coming. More down. guests. Yeah, we're doing a, a seminar today. Three-hour seminar. Right, right, right. Today. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, Anne Marie was talking about that. That's that's really cool. So, like, hey, as far as seminars go, have you done any others besides the one you're doing today? I go out and I speak to colleges and things and young kids on motivation, on uh, as, uh, leadership, um, and on acting, things like life experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems to go very well. Cool. Yeah, I like that. Cool. So, as far as the film industry goes, how exactly did you get into that? Or more specifically, was there a certain thing that made you decide this is what I want to do? Was there like a movie you saw or, you know, what what exactly was it? Well, I've always been interested in movies ever since a little kid, like a lot of people. But music was my passion. Mm-hmm. And then photography. I got into photography. And by doing photography, uh, like most uh camera people in the starting of the industry uh, they were all photographers because they understood lighting right and when you shot something you had to light it you know even in the silent time they didn't have to worry about sound but they had to pretty much know how to light things and, and they lit things beautifully if you watch look at the still photographs but they used the same people when they did movies so I learned how to light single lighting double lighting triple you know Mm-hmm. Rembrandt style of lighting and I knew that pretty well and um, then sometimes I was asked to light help light sets when people were filming things and I would do that and then one day Anne-Marie and I were speaking and we were in Los Angeles she was talking about doing a, a video she wanted to do on uh, modeling mm-hmm. and she said well when I get back home settled and, and uh, she was living there but she was thinking about moving and I said, why wait? Let's do it now. You know, I just said, let's do it now. And she goes, oh, great. And she thought about it. She says, well, why don't you film it? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I would love to, but I don't have that kind of cameras and I don't have that kind of equipment. You know, you know. And she thought about it. She said, well, I'll tell you what. I will buy the camera, which is a very expensive camera. Mm-hmm. And she said, that will be your payment. And I said, wow. And that's what she did. And buying that camera at that time opened up my world because not only could I film what she wanted, but I started filming all kinds of things and and, and getting jobs and just going from there. So it really, it was uh, a nice way to get into it. Oh, absolutely. And back to lighting, one of the most important classes I think I took in college was lighting. We yeah. had a specific class dedicated solely to lighting. Right. And until then, I didn't appreciate how good lighting can make or break a video. It makes it look like it's either a professional or not a professional. Good lighting and good sound. Yes. you got to have the sound, sound. Believe it or not, uh, sound was probably my weakest area when doing a video shoot. I mean, it's yeah. not that I didn't concern myself with it. It's I was so worried about picture quality and acting and all this other stuff that sound kind of went by the wayside. Yeah. But since I started doing this podcast, I learned how important audio is. So it it all, it all works out in interesting ways. Yeah. Because you can tell when you watch a movie and you hear a lot of ambient sound during the scenes and they get up and they're walking, you hear clunk, 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 clunk and Mm -hmm. moving to the chairs and a lot of echo. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just bad sound. Yeah. You don't hear that. And it's true. A lot of TV shows, they film it and they do ADR later. 
you know, uh, they put in the um, audio their voices later over right. what they've already said because sound is that important. It's so crisp and clean. That is, that's a good point. Yeah. A funny story, and it goes back to the whole beach thing we were talking about earlier. I started doing freelance video work in 2008 after I graduated college. The first wedding I ever filmed was on Pensacola Beach. Ah. And you know how windy the beach is. Yes. <laughs> and didn't concern myself with sound. I had a two camera setup and I just put one right next to the bride and groom and you and used it. I had no idea what I was doing. And when I went back and listened to it, all you hear is <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, uh, maybe I should invest in a microphone. So since then I have a wireless lav that I mic onto the groom and all that stuff and the sound is much better. Yeah. So yeah, it, all the difference. yeah it, it definitely does. So as a student filmmaker, and this is where the idea of uh, how they learn, you know, they can make all these mistakes because when you get paid to do something, you can't make these mistakes. Yeah. I mean, you get hired for a wedding, they pay you thousands of dollars. They don't want excuses and there's no room nope. for it. And also when something goes wrong, you have to be able to identify it and immediately fix it. And if you're not used to your equipment or what anything around you, um, you're wondering. You're complex. Like, what do I do? What do I, I've, I've gotten calls from people on the set. Say, this is what's happening. What do I do? What do I do? You know, that, that, mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, all you have to just do this or do that, and and it's fixed. You know, but if you can't get a hold of anybody, that, that could hold a production. Yeah. Did you take any? Uh, like, did you go to school for film? No. No. Yeah, I I've actually found like as someone that did go to school, I've learned much more like as far as on the job training than I did yeah. in school. I mean, school to me was important because it taught me the basics, yeah. but I've learned more, like, like you said, being able to identify mistakes. It's kind of a trial and error thing. You, once you make the mistake and you know how to fix it, it's a learning experience. Well, cause we have a USC, a UCLA, they have good film schools out there. Mm-hmm. Very costly. Mm-hmm. I mean, very costly. Right. Um, some is like 40000 a semester, 60000 a semester, and you're going with three, four semesters. Well, I think film school is important. You can learn a lot. And the, the most important thing is, is you, you meet the people in your class, and these are the future filmmakers, some of them, not all of them. But, you know, at the same time, you could take that 60000 uh, for one semester or two semesters, and you can become a mentor with anybody in the film industry. Say, I will pay you this amount of money just to, just to under your tutelage, teach me the business. You could not get anything better than that. If you think about that kind of money, you could hire or pay the top filmmakers in the business to, to work with you. Right. Teach, you know, anything. But people don't think about that. You know, you, I tell people instead of going to college, think about taking that money and hiring the best coaches in the world, the best known people in the world. You could hire actors, well-known actors, you know. And some of you, you could offer as much as $500 an hour. Mm-hmm. And because and there, there are as acting uh, teachers and, and voice coaches that charge that. Right. And you get a tremendous benefit out of there. You know, so it's an alternative. You know, school is is good for some people. I never went to school for all those things. I learned it that way. I just learned Mm -hmm. it by being on a job, by doing things and taking an active part. And now I have many students that graduate from school. 
uh, that work on my projects, they, they learn, and I often hear them say, well, they didn't teach us that. Or, you know, you're doing that. They never showed us that. And, how's, and there's real simple things. Even mm -hmm. some of the basic lighting setups, they go, well, they really didn't cover that. You know, what would you learn? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's why anyone that asks me advice on like making a short film or, say, working in television, I would say even if you're, like, on the bottom of the rung, if you're just a simple production assistant, watch what everyone does because yeah. you will always learn something. It's like I was telling you, I worked on a television shoot, a three-day shoot uh, from Thursday to Saturday. I watched what everyone did, at least like right. a little, like the lighting. I watched the audio guy do his setup, check levels, watched what the producers did, what the, the TD did, uh, even other camera operators. Right. Because that's the best way to learn is just observe a little bit of everything. Well, the best thing about school is that you'll get to use equipment normally that you would not be able to ever use because you couldn't afford to use that right. equipment. Right, that's a good point. You know, so that is a good thing. But at the same time, if you would pay uh, a DP, say, you know, say, I will pay you this much money just to learn with you and, and let me show me how to do the setups and break down the camera and everything, you'll get to work with this high level of equipment. Mm -hmm. You know, because you're paying them and you will get that experience. Once you get that experience using that kind of equipment, then you can hire yourself out. People, because a lot of people, unless you go to school, you won't get a chance to use that kind of equipment. It's just too expensive. You know, you're familiar with the red camera? Mm -hmm. Well, the whole setup. I mean, you know, you can buy a red camera, but all the, everything that goes with it, you know, when you build it. You it's know, so much money. It's so much and usually uh, schools are the only places that you can get that experience or you pay somebody to give you that experience, which is good. You know? Yeah, yeah, that, that is a good point. I, I didn't even think about the whole equipment thing. Yeah. But yeah, that, that is true. So have there been any films, uh, like what films have you worked on? Most of my things are uh, independent, mm -hmm. uh, things that I've shot. If you go to Actors Reporter, there's a, a, a film, there's a page where it's called Johnny Shorts. I always film just a bunch of stuff with, with great actors. Um, and I, I, we filmed one here last night. You know, it was just a short scene with a couple of actors. Uh, after we finished, I edited the, uh, the little piece and, you know, and it's, I'm going to show it to Anne-Marie later on. But what I wanted to do is to show how you don't have to say much in a scene. And mm -hmm. it was just with the eyes and the expression and the emotion. Very little dialogue, just a couple of words, but it, the impact. And many times people, when they make films, you have to look at it in such a way like it, you're making a silent movie mm -hmm. because you can put the lighting in there to give it uh, the feeling. And then the music adds emotion and feeling. And the actors, that's why they say the actors have to do less because if they do too much, it gets in, in, uh, interferes with everything else. It's like music. The more instruments you have in a band, the less each person has to play. Mm -hmm. you know? So it's the same thing when you're filming. Uh, the more that you have going on, the less the actor has to do, because otherwise it just gets too much. It seems like you really enjoy helping, say, young, aspiring talent get better. I do. You know, and I can usually spot what they need and instantly give it to them say let's try it this way let's do this way and i see instant results mm -hmm. and they see it that's more important is they can feel that oh my gosh it 
that's all I needed to do? See, they weren't that far away. You know, sometimes they're just struggling, struggling. They just can't seem to get it. And then I just give them a little adjustment, say, let's take it from this direction. And then they get it. They go, oh, my gosh. You know, why didn't I see that before? Mm -hmm. And that's the way it is. You know, most of the time we're very good at what we do, because, but we're a little off mark, you know. Well, sometimes it takes an outside perspective yeah. for you to really notice that thing, because you can perfect as many things as you can. And then there's someone that will say, you know, what you're doing is really good. Now you should add this. And you're like, why didn't I think of that before? Yeah. And it's because I made those mistakes along the way. Mm -hmm. You know, I did that or I saw other people. And when I work with people and I'm teaching them things, whether it's how to use a camera or, or whatever it is, when I watch them, I let them make the mistakes. You know, I was working with this young girl and she wanted to learn how to uh, be a photographer. And we were out in the field and I explained some things uh, that she had to be aware of. And when we were out in the field, she started doing the exact thing I told her to, you know, be aware of not to do this. But I didn't tell her when we were out in the field. You know, when we got back to the studio, we looked at the pictures and some of them, she said, oh my gosh, look at what I did. You know, oh, she said, I ruined all these, you know, and, and she said, did you know I was doing this? I said, yeah. She said, well, why didn't you tell me? I said, well, it has more of an impact. Me telling you, reminding you again, or letting you look at it and see it yourself the results of what you're doing. She learned that lesson. So I think it's important when you work with people to watch over them and let them make the mistakes so they can see what they what mistakes they made instead of always correcting people. You know? Yeah, that's, that's actually a really good way of doing it. I, I like that a lot. And they feel good about it. Because mm -hmm. nobody wants to constantly be, okay, I told you to do this. No, let me remind you to... You don't have to do that. You tell them and say, okay, this is what you, you remember trying not to do this, these couple of things. And if they start doing it, let them do it so mm -hmm. they can see the results when we get back there. That's what you learn for. But you don't want to do that on the job. You know, so you, if you let them make the mistakes, when they get on the job, they're not going to make these same mistakes. Right. Which are costly. Yeah. And we were also talking earlier about uh, a company that uh, you work with called Pepper J Productions. Pepper J Productions, is, it's a production company out in Los Angeles called The Actors Reporter. If you go to actorsreporter.com, you will see a lot of content. We have several shows. One of them is called The Actors E Live Chat Show. It's on every morning at 10 a.m. Los Angeles time. Uh, we usually interview... Uh, top uh, directors, uh, producers, uh, TV personalities from a lot of your favorite TV shows. Uh, and they come in and they sit down like this. They do an hour talk mm -hmm. and they give advice and talk about their when they're them coming out to Los Angeles and the hurdles they had to overcome and how they made it. Because everybody has a different story. Nobody can take the same path, but there are similarities. And many of them were about to give up, and they get their lucky break. And you know, everybody has their own story, but it's just uh, it's interesting that uh, they have to come out there. It's not handed to them. Mm -hmm. Although some people get lucky. I mean, there have been people who've been out there and, and booked right away. You know. Yeah. So, um, working in film, you're obviously a film fan. What are some of your movies that you really enjoy watching? Like, if you're going to sit down and watch a movie. Uh, what specific type of movie is your favorite and what are some of your favorite films? Well, over the years, as you get older, that, that changes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, uh, um, you know, we all like action films and things like that. 
But recently, my uh, interests have gone towards more romantic comedies and really? and, and things like that. Uh, we, um, uh, Katie, you know, and her, her mother, we sat here the other night and watched this really cute movie. It's a family film uh, called My Dad the Hero. And it's just mm-hmm. a cute movie. It's just a cute... But I guess as you get older, you, you, you're... Your tastes change. Yeah, all of a sudden I feel my I see myself crying more in these sad scenes. You know, like oh, that's so cute. I'm crying, and then my friends see me trying to wipe it away. <laughs> you, know, you get softer. You get yeah. older. You get softer. I just like anything that's entertaining. Um, I don't like a lot of action movies. A lot of shooting and killing. I'm not as interested in. But I'm not saying it for anybody. Just for me, you for know, your be, personal taste, because it's changed. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen a lot of them, and, and it's, it's nice. But I am more with, right now in my life, feeling good movies. I just like that. Maybe, you know, in the next few months or a year, I'll go back to you know, more haunted, uh, like scary movies. People mm-hmm. love scary movies. You know, but people watch those because it helps them get those endorphins and, and, and right. uh, dopamine going in their body. Like, oh, my God, they're scared. You know, it kind of... Some people, that. some people enjoy being scared. Yes. I, I don't understand it, but, well, but people enjoy it. It stimulates a, an, an emotion in them they can't otherwise activate. True. And so that's why they, they like that. It's like a roller coaster ride will stimulate certain emotions. We do certain things to get stimulated. Um, and, and that's why we do it. You, you do this mm-hmm. because it stimulates certain emotions. Right. And it becomes addictive. Now, this is a good addiction. Mm-hmm. But you could get addicted to to bad things, right? Because you get you get those same endorphins and dopamine going in your body. You know, mm-hmm. it's addictive. So you learn have to learn how to get addicted to good things. So now I'm addicted to good feeling movies. Good feeling movies. <laughs> what about uh, what were some movies you enjoyed when, like, say, you were younger? Well, of course, uh, uh, West Side Story. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I've had a chance to meet some of the cast of West Side Story. And what a joy that was, you know, to oh, meet absolutely. some of these people. When you see them as a kid, you know, I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, I used to go dancing in the streets, you know, when I was a kid and get beat up. You know, because <laughs> 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 you know, I was in gangs myself when right. I was a kid. But you go tootling down the street, you know, friends look at you kind of strangely. But um, I like those. I mean, because, you know, I grew up in those all the classic movies, you know, and, and things like that. Of course, when I was a kid, the uh, Hard Day's Night, the Beatles came out. Mm-hmm. But I generally just liked anything, and and I was always intrigued on how the the, the setups were and and um, what the scene was doing. For some reason, I didn't know why, but I I just kind of looked at that like, oh, how they do that? You know what? You know, mm-hmm. and then I used to watch the movie over again. And I thought, I wonder if they'll do it the same way. <laughs> like, because yeah. I didn't understand when yeah. I was real tiny. You know, it's like I go to the theater and I thought the actors were behind the screen, mm-hmm. and and I would go with my friends and I'd watch it again and see if they would do it the same way. Yeah, they did. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned uh, feel good movies, and I I enjoy a good you know feel good movie, uh, especially now as you know I've gotten a little bit older and I just like I like positive messages, positive too, yeah. movies. Um, have you ever seen? It recently came out on DVD. It's called Chef with John Favreau. No, I didn't see. Okay, that. it's got uh, John Favreau, John Leguizamo, and Robert Downey Jr. Oh, it's about uh, John Favreau plays this chef in Los Angeles. He's like the most popular, most creative chef in Los Angeles, 
and this food critic just rips him apart uh, on the internet. And he doesn't really know that much about like Twitter or social media. So he gets his son to sign him up on Twitter so he can fire back at this food critic. So they start a Twitter war and he gets, he eventually quits his job because he's just tired of being unhappy. So then he starts running this food truck and makes all these creative dishes and people love it and then eventually gets his own restaurant so it's it's a good and there's nothing really bad that happens in the movie it's just a right. feel good movie and plus he reconnects with his family right with his ex-wife his son and everything so it is it's a good feel good movie and the cinematography is really really good in it and you know that's the important thing you know a lot of these are independent movies mm-hmm. and they're big blockbusters and some of them are good some of them aren't so good but you know what we need to support all of them because everybody who makes a movie does not intend to make a bad movie. That's very true. You know, and they're trying their best. And we can't just pan a movie and say, oh, that was the worst movie. We want to support everybody mm-hmm. because those filmmakers are trying to do the best they can. We need to support everyone. You know, maybe it wasn't as good as other movies, but we still need to support them because they need the money. They need to get to pay for the, so we can have more of them. Mm-hmm. And some of the best movies are small independent movies. That's why some of the big stars they like those independent movies. You know, it gives them a chance to do something different. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they put up the money, or their friends put up the money, and whatever. But you know, we need to support all of the whole industry. Right. Yeah. And if you think about it, whatever a movie that say we hate, someone else could say, "Oh, well, that's one of my favorite movies I've ever seen." Right. Yeah. So it's everyone has different taste, and everybody's trying. I mean, the the thing is, yes, if it's a bad movie, a terrible movie, well, then you can ask somebody, oh, how many movies have you made? You know, at least that person went out and tried. They did it. Maybe they they failed in the sense of it wasn't a great movie, but they didn't fail on the aspect of they went out and did something. That's another thing that I've learned as I've gotten older that it's much better to. Mm-hmm try at something and just fall flat on your face than to not try at all. Because sometimes half the fun is failing. Because you you learn, like you just get back up and say, well, I know not to do that. Let's try it again. And look at the camaraderie you form with the people that you did the movie with. And a lot of times people put in their own time, don't even get paid. People work hard. Mm -hmm. And it's a project. Of course, everybody wants it to turn out. But, you know, you're all learning. And and experience, yeah, and and you're better off a person for doing it. And and after you do that one, go out and do another one. If you if it doesn't turn out, go out and do another one. You know, finally nobody will work with you. You know, yeah. (laughs) There you there you go. And then you get to that point, nobody wants anything to do with you. And then you go out and make another one. It's a big hit. You know. Yeah. Well. Yeah. There you go. So. do you have any uh, social media or, say, a website for Pepper J Productions? Yeah, you can go to uh, actorsreporter.com. There's a lot of good content on there, uh, a lot of good shows. Uh, you can go to my Facebook, which is Acting With Your Eyes, mm-hmm. or Twitter is Acting With Eyes, because they only allow you a certain... Yeah, a certain number of characters. Yeah, and you can follow me. Uh, you can go to my website, johnmichaelferrari.com, and... Um, you can see a lot of the stuff that I have up there, photographs and and uh, all about the book. But if you go to Actors Reporter, you'll see that um, a lot of things I do that I host uh, many of the shows. I host a, a motivational chat show, mm-hmm. and I bring on some of the top motivational speakers on my show and talk with them. 
Um, that's a show that that's on Actors Reporter. Uh, just a lot of good content. A lot of good content uh, there. And if anybody wants to contact me for any reason, you can contact me with uh, at uh, John Michael Ferrari at uh, uh, Gmail. I think it is. Yes, gmail.com. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, John, for coming on. This was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me on the show, Derek. And uh, I can't wait to hear this. This is going to be wonderful. Awesome. And thank- all your guests. Awesome. Thank you. And that does it for this week's episode of the Derek Diamond Experience. I would once again like to thank Mr. John Michael Ferrari for coming on for that really fun conversation. And next week, we will continue our look into the world of film with the head of AMC talent, Miss Anne-Marie Crouch. And don't forget, you can follow this show on Twitter at DDiamondExp, like us on Facebook at the Derek Diamond Experience, And you can follow me personally on Twitter at Derek underscore Diamond. And that'll do it. See you guys next week.